So, Grasso, I was watching Guy's Grocery Games today. Phenomenal show. And uh, a contestant on it, it was a very spicy week, and they made the comment that Cubans don't like spicy food. And I found that to be an interesting quote. Uh, as a Cuban-American yourself, how do you feel about that statement? Um well, one, uh, Guy Fieri is definitely a, a prime source for all cooking. Guy's Grocery Game is definitely a prime source for all cooking knowledge. Oh, he wasn't the one who said it. It was a contestant. Oh, he wasn't the one. Oh, the contestant. It, it was the contest. It was a Cuban contestant. I think. Okay, I so, think they were. Okay, so so my deal as a Cuban is we like specific spice. We like to know where the spice is, but nothing's very spicy. Like our black beans and rice aren't very spicy. Our pork isn't very spicy. When we make yuca, it's not very spicy because a lot of the Cuban immigrants that came were from Spain and a lot of the Spaniards didn't like a lot of spicy food. And then also something Ben, that you'll find very interesting is during world war one and world war two, a lot of Jews from Northern Spain moved to Cuba. So there was a very large Jewish contingency that lived in Cuba. You know, world Jews war. really love their spices. And they, re I know, I know, I've had some <laughs> spicy matzo ball soup in my day in Queens. But uh, there's some pastrami. Pastrami is a little right. yellow. They're cured meats. Yes, they're cured meats. But, but that's the whole thing is, and also Cuba is a very big cross section of a lot of Caribbean places. So there is a lot of spicy food in the Caribbean, um, but there it was a lot of savory food also from the Europeans that they brought over. So Cuban food is really a, a melding of a lot of different cultures because. Uh -huh. it, because of where it was located and the things that happened and how it was really a crossroads for like a lot of people. So it would be a, it's a melting pot. You would say, a, Oh dude, it's totally a melting pot. It's a, a, a Cuban can be the color of the night sky or the color of the morning sky. Like it's totally different sides of the spectrum. And that's why I love being Cuban is because nobody ever knows that I'm Cuban. Like I'll sit in a room and people talk Spanish around me and they'll think I'm just like some Italian kid. But I understand everything they're saying, and I know that they're talking shit, and that is a great skill to have. everyone and welcome to the pining for a podcast as always i'm your host ben mack the owner of the broken clock corollary with me like they are every week is greg marku and chris grasso owners of the wieners wean dogs and the two beers too deep respectively let's get right into it you know uh this was week nine of our fantasy season and the playoffs are really starting to get into focus uh, but before we get into the recap, there were two really interesting key, uh, trades that happened this week that I'd like to discuss before we get into it that may shape the shape the uh, matchups to come, the, the whole race. There's a lot of races tightening up. The first one actually involves two people on this podcast. It was between me and Greg. Uh, I traded him Emmanuel Sanders and the Bucks defense for Jarek McKinnon. 
uh, for me, it was especially important because most of my starting running backs were on bye this week, and I needed help, especially going up against a team that's five and four, which we'll discuss a little later. But that gives me a little bit of oomph, and I had the Ravens defense already, so the Bucks defense was a little bit of an extra piece for me. Uh, Greg, what's your view of the trade on your side? I, I with Miles Sanders coming back, I didn't need McKinnon. Anymore, you know, fingers crossed that Miles Sanders stays healthy. I needed a defense. I was going to pick one up on the wire anyways. I like Sanders. That Saints offense is starting to tick with all the weapons up. So I'm excited. He's he, the, the Bucks was the main part that I wanted, the, the Emmanuel Sanders piece, which is a nice little add-on that, that Ben gave me that was better than Denzel Mibbs, who was on my bench, who I dropped. Now, do we know that Miles Sanders is coming back? Is that definitive? Is he practicing? Yes, he, is pra- he practiced in full, t- or he might have been limited today, but that was just a – it's a, like a veteran's day off or whatever, like a veteran's loose day. Yeah. That's a huge piece back for you. If he, you get him back, this trade is, is not, it's not, it's not earth shattering for either team, but it definitely puts you both in a better position as we move forward. Definitely the defensive side for you, Doge. Um, and it definitely helps you out. It helps, it helps, it helps everybody out. Um, and Jared McKinnon is like kind of out of nowhere right now. Um, he's had a, like a sneaky good season besides the one week where he had negative points. Well, that um, 49ers backfield is just completely dead right now. So he's, he's the only guy. He's the only guy with a pulse that they can put in the backfield. So he's going to be the guy that's going to get the ball and they love to run the ball and they run it very successfully because they have a very good offensive line. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned earth shattering, which this one wasn't. We really have had a lack of earth shattering trades this season, except for the other trade that happened this week uh, between the big X bashers and the Keegs to success. So the bashers who uh, have been riddled with injuries all season, they pulled the trigger on trading both the Houston's running backs, David and Duke Johnson, and who he said is his favorite player in the NFL, DK Metcalf, for Aaron Jones, Michael Thomas, and Preston Williams. I feel like Preston Williams is kind of an extra piece in that deal. Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas are, when they're healthy, two of the best at their position in the league. What do you guys think about this trade? Jeez. Uh, oh, okay, so there's a lot to unpack with this trade. The first thing I like to look at is production. Whenever you're making a trade, it's all about production. It's all about numbers for me. And right now, Michael Thomas has no numbers. And that's a huge that's huge red flag for me. Um, but then you take a step back and you realize it's Michael Thomas and Drew Brees throwing him the ball. So eventually, if not this week, next week, he's going to have 112 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, he's only played in two games the entire season. So you don't you, you would think because he's Michael Thomas, you would think that there's a baseline. He already had he had six targets last week in his first game back. But you don't know. Same, I, same. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think Keegan was frustrated with obviously. I mean, Michael Thomas has been, you know, you know, again, when Saquon goes out with a torn ACL. You deal with it. You know what? That happens in football. But when you get a guy who gets hurt and then misses time because of an unofficial suspension, you know, because he punches a teammate in the face and then it takes a little longer than it should to come back from the injury. I think he was just frustrated and he wanted to get him off. Um, I, I think the Aaron Jones and, and uh, piece is the real big piece because that Green Bay offense is un fuego to quote yeah. my, my Spanish friend here. Uh, you know, it really is. I think that's, I think Echo really won the trade. If we're going to talk about winners and losers, I understand what Keegan did and I understand the frustration with Michael Thomas, but I think he pulled the trigger on the Michael Thomas piece a week too early. I think 
because the Saints were taking on such a high velocity. All three of their tight ends scored a touchdown this week, including Taysom Hill. No, Taysom Hill didn't score a touchdown. But, all, you know, their, their third-string tight end scored a touchdown. Um, yeah. You know, and so I think he pulled the trigger on the Michael Thomas piece too early. So do you think Keegan could have gotten more? Is what you're saying? You, th- you think he could have pulled for more if he waited another week? I don't know if Eckle would have pulled the trigger next week. Uh, you know, or if, if, if Keegan asked for more, I don't think Eckle would have given him more. If that makes, you know, that makes sense. So I just don't think he, I don't know. I think he waited. I think he was too quick on the trigger. And Eckle, I think Eckle bamboozled him with DK Metcalf, that <sighs> sexy, tall, majestic drink of water. I am I'm so on the fence with this trade because I love DK. DK, I think, is the number one wide receiver in the NFL. And for the next five years, he's going to be the number one receiver in the NFL. He is absolutely a human, a specimen. And for me, if you get DK Metcalf, he traded away Michael Thomas and Jones. Both of them have been injured this year. Both of them could definitely get re-injured this year. Both of the teams that they're on are making strives for the playoffs, so they're going to probably hold them back, if anything, to keep them fresh for the playoffs. If you're the Packers and you've scored that many points without Jones and then you get him back, are you really going to push Jones that hard to score points? The Packers have been the, one of the teams that's the, the most skittish about getting injured guys back. They tend to, tend to err, err on the side of caution. You think well, the Packers want him for the next three weeks or you think they want him for the Super Bowl? This Definitely is the latter. But, you know, even when here's the interesting thing about Aaron Jones, even though he's he's missed uh, two games this season, he's still the number seven running back. So they can ease him back and not worry about it. But when he's there, he is a big focal part of their offense. It's really him and Devonte Adams and, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers giving it to both of them. And the schedule that the Packers have coming up, especially running into the playoffs, is not very difficult. You know, you look, our, our uh, playoffs will start in week 14. So that's Detroit, Carolina, and Tennessee, none of which have very strong running defenses. So I don't know if Eccles playing the long game here, but that could really help him out if, if he's waiting and he can tread water while they're easing Aaron Jones back. Because I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to hit his projection at 19 points this week. I don't think he's going to get those carries. I don't think that the Packers really want to rush him for that exact reason that you're saying Grasso, that they don't want to get him re-injured because he does have a pretty extensive injury history. Yeah, it's really, it's really, that trade is really going to come. We're going to, we're going to see this weekend in these games, if that trade was really a good decision for, for either of them, really. For either of them, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting, too. We're looking at our league this year, and we love to do these kind of synopses, you know, the health of the league, which I think this is this has been our greatest season because of the parody and everything like that. But you look at the activity in our league this year. It is far surpassed anything we've ever seen, I think. Uh, Doge, I think you have some stats, but I know trade-wise, I've seen more stat, more trades than I've ever seen in any league I've ever been in in my life. Yeah, so looking back at the historical data, you can't look at the number of trades, but you can look at the total number of transactions. So that's trades and waiver pickups. The average across our years from 2013 to 2020 is about 25 and a half moves per team. That being said, we're at 25 moves and a half moves per team right now, and we are only through nine weeks of the season. Basically so I do way. expect that to go up. Yeah. Um, the last two years have been our high years at both about around 33 moves per team. 
um, you know, with the top moves being in the 50s or 60s. Highest move total ever was Moose back in 2018, his first year in the league. He did 70 moves. The person that was the lowest that year was Keegan. He only did eight moves, which is crazy to think about is the difference is, right. you know, you have the high, higher end people in the 50s and 60s. The low end people are, are all in the single digits. You know, I think Moose is on pace to break. What did you say he had last year for the high? 79? In 2018, in 2018 he had 70 moves. So he has 58 right now. Moose has been the mo- the highest mover in the last two full seasons, and he's the highest mover currently this year. And he's at 56 this year. Last year, he was, again, the high at 58 moves. So, so basically since he entered the league. That's correct. And Echo was, Echo was the highest mover the first three years of the league. Ah. So, so Echo, if you're listening, you got a lot of competition here. You got to start making more moves. If you want to win something, and that's how many trades you make in a year, this is your chance. The real question is, do all those moves make a difference? Like, do these teams that are making all these moves throughout the year winning more? Well, I mean, so, what's in the finals last year? Yeah, so, I mean, not, so not for that nothing. is. There's so with the highest moves, you have two second place finishes, a third place finish, but then you have three seventh place finishes and a ninth place finish. For the low moves, the the median is about six. You got four sixth place finishes, a third place, a seventh place, and then uh, in 2016 we had a tie for the lowest number of moves at seven between Grasso and Keegan. They finished 12th and 10th respectively. Mm-hmm. So it 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 you know the people who do the fewer number of moves they probably drafted very well, didn't get hit by an injury bug, and they again they finished sixth, but they didn't. That's the highest. You know you had Grasso who finished third the first year. But Which again, a fluke. But yeah, the, first, the first we year. Doesn't we didn't know what we were doing. We had no clue. I mean, how many quarterbacks were drafted in the first two rounds? Like nine? Too many. Too <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's interesting you say the median the median for the lowest moves is six or seven. When you think about that in our league, because the top six make it into the playoffs and the bottom six are in the mouth breather, uh, the, the basically the losers bracket. It, you, that sixth spot is the lowest end of the playoffs. You think if you have a team, it's kind of a set and forget team. You get a good draft and you just don't do any moves and you make it to the playoffs. You're like, this is great. But then you lose your first matchup and then you're right there and the loser of sixth place. So it kind of evens out. It makes sense. That six, seven spot is just good enough to not have to worry about your team. But it maybe if you were a good manager, you manage your team better, you could have done better. Yeah, and just to and just to wrap it up too. I mean, Spencer right now only has two moves. He is on pace to be the lowest. Um, and again, he's pro- right now he's tracking towards that sixth or seventh place finish. Depends on kind of where if he makes the playoffs or not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as we wrap up the year here with uh, with about you know what is it six more weeks of games that matter. Uh, I think only four weeks actually before the playoffs start. Well, it's three weeks of regular season and three weeks of playoffs, so that's six. And if my math is correct. We have four, including this week, we have four weeks left. You're correct, Benjamin. Seven weeks. You just said seven weeks? Yeah, because you got 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15, one, 16. two, and three. Yeah. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, yeah, so that's something to watch. Uh, so, that's with that, let's move into the recap from last week. It was a. Uh, lot of lot of important matchups because a lot of teams were four and four, five and three, three and five, all kind of hovering around each other. So what happens this week and what happens in the next few weeks will really determine who makes into the playoffs, who just misses. And we've mentioned it many times before on the podcast. It's all about points for. So even if you're losing, if you score a lot of points, that matters. 
So we'll go right into, uh, I'm a little biased here because it's my matchup, but I think this one mattered the most. It was Spencer Saxniffers at four and four versus the Broken Clock Corollary at four and four. Spencer barely edged me out, 115.2 to 108.45. Uh, honestly, it was some bad management on my choice. I went with Corey Davis, who threw up a goose egg. Uh -huh. And, you know, you can't have those zeros. If I had put in any of my other wide receivers that were starting this week, like C.D. Lamb or um, or my other wide, I don't have it right up right now, I would have won the week. But I, I – yeah, and then, you know, LaMichael L L L P. Ryan was also a bad choice as well. But I would still you make lost. this. You lost when Spencer had negative three from his defense. Man, that's what makes it worse. Yeah. Is that he made why, – why is Spencer playing San Francisco? For the third week in a row, Spencer has played the San Francisco defense against a top-tier offense. He played them against Seattle. He played them against Green Bay. How could you do that to yourself? That's And, and they're the most injury-ridden defense in the league. They're best defensive players on the bench. Joey Bosa is injured. They yeah. don't have the defense. Richard well, Sherman is injured. It was really Devonta Adams that carried his team, too. Like, without that, it wouldn't have been close. And, he scored 28 points. You can't, you know, that's what you want. Then he's a set and forget player, but I should have made better choices. Yeah, <laughs> Basically a, is what it comes down to. Yeah. It's a management week. It's one of those weeks where you, everybody has this week where should have, could have, would have put one person in six points with one way or another, but you know what? That's, that's fantasy football and you make those management decisions. And sometimes it doesn't come out right. Like Davis should have had a good week, but mm -hmm. he threw up the goose. Yeah, I was, you know, I saw his target share and I'm like, that's going to increase. He had three times. He didn't make a single catch the entire week. I can't believe that. Uh, yeah. So, but that's what it is, what it is. Uh, my team moves to four and five. Spencer's team moves to five and four. Both teams are still in it. You know, there's still a, a, quite a few weeks to play, but uh, my team's kind of in desperation mode right now. Spencer's team is definitely heating up for sure. He is definitely, he's definitely on fire right now. Um and I think he's going to carry it to the playoffs. I love it. I love it. I mean, we have to see good management before I'm going to say it's going to carry him to the playoffs. True. <laughs> he's got to stop playing the San Francisco defense. Spencer, if you're listening, please get a new defense. Or look at matchups. Do something. Yeah. Just look yeah. at the matchups. Just look to see if they're playing a top five offense or not. And, and we'll talk about, you know, what his team looks like this week in our matchup discussion a little later. Uh, so we'll move on to the two, five, and three teams that faced off against each other this week, the Vinzaloons and the Fitzmagic, uh, which was our pathetic game of the week. Uh, Fitzmagic barely eked out a win against the Vinzaloons, 85.25 to 83.9. And I know if anybody was watching on Monday night, we were watching uh, the Patriots defense Barely, like, first of all, the fact that the game was that close against the Jets uh, is pathetic on the Patriots' part. Uh, it was really low, really early, and then they started getting more sacks and interceptions. You thought they may do something, but Vinny's top players just didn't show up. Derrick Henry, James Connor did not play the way they were supposed to, and I'm sure Vinny would have expected them to do better. Yeah, I, I mean, Fitz won with Tom Brady having four and a half fantasy points. Just imagine that as that Tom Brady had four, when your quarterback has under 10 points, you're like, fuck, I lost. Mm -hmm. And last, he, 
And he held out. And again, and it was it, it, and I, on Monday night, I was watching the game. Again, I'm a pass fan. I am biased. But it was just like, this is the game. This is the Jets game that we would lose. Joe Flacco is our arch nemesis. And it's a divisional game on Monday Night Football. You knew the Jets were going to come to play. Joe Flacco just loves beating us. I, it was, it was, it was, it was, again, it was a bad matchup overall. I'm just mad that I didn't play one of these teams this week. Right. Well, I mean, and you look at the the starting choices, we always talk about management decisions and Vinny could have won if say he put in Nelson Aguilar or JD McKissick, but I don't know if I was him, I would have done that. Like who would you put Nelson Aguilar in for Chris Godwin, maybe Robbie Anderson. You wouldn't put it in for Tyler Lockett. So, I mean, those choices most managers wouldn't make unless they're fucking crazy. Same thing with J.D. McKissick. You wouldn't put him in for James Conner or Derrick Henry, I don't think. And then flip side of that, a fit, you pick Brady or Roethlisberger. That's such a hard choice right now. It's an incredibly hard choice right now. And that sways sways this game. That's a flip of a coin on both sides. Um, and it's a, such a tight game, and it, it means a lot because both of these teams have really kind of stalled out. Like the last couple of weeks, they haven't been able to eke out the wins, and they haven't mm-hmm. been able to push the points. And they're kind of struggling because there's an ebb and flow. Lockett's got a lot of ebb and flow, right? And and I feel like Fitz's team isn't as rock solid. Well, um, and especially we're talking about those uh, those points. Four is going to be so important. Vinny's now right in the middle of things at five and four scoring 83 points, even though he's, he's still in the top of the pack in terms of points scored. But you know, if he has another week like this, he won't be. And that's, then that's going to, when it comes down to tiebreakers, if everybody finishes seven, six, that that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. If, if he's going to get into the mouth breather playoffs on, on points four. So, yeah, so let's move on to, uh, the one other matchup of the two other teams that were both with positive records, it was the Fantasy Empire versus Two Beers Too Deep. Uh, it, w- it was, as expected, another drubbing. Uh, two Beers Too Deep pulled it out 131.65 to 117. His team just kept rolling the entire time. Uh, Grasso's team, it's just rolling. He's going to roll right into the playoffs. So, I mean, he's really riding Dalvin Cook all the way through another 40-point game, Aaron Rodgers, another 30-point game. Just between the two of them, they had like 75 po- 76 points. Uh, but beyond that, uh, there's something a little bit to worry about, even though now you're 7-2, and two, Grasso. You only got 55 points for the rest of your team. Yeah, that's, um, that's a huge problem. There is um, there's a production issue. Um, wide receiver one wide receiver two great running back one great quarterback great every other position is a coin toss currently um my flex adam thielen you think he'd be showing up this year Kirk cousins is always a question mark especially when davon cook going off why would you throw the ball to adam thielen Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 20 times. I'm a Justin Jefferson owner. He only threw the ball 20 times. There just weren't enough targets. I mean, I actually, if you look at the scores, it's a, it's, it's a closer matchup than you would think. The quarterback scored very similarly. All the positions scored very similarly besides Dalvin Cook. And I, I said this game came out between D- Dalvin Cook and Tyreek Hill. And Dalvin Cook outplayed Tyreek Hill by, you know, by about 20 points or whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't – can we stop talking about Grasso's team and how good it is? Okay, but this, this is – here's another thing is if he would have played Jimmy Graham instead of Jordan Reed, that's a different game. 
I lose that game. So if he plays Jimmy Graham, I lose that game. So that's how close this game was. It was a mat. This is, you see how, you see how every game we're talking about is decided by a couple of points and it just comes down to a management issue right now. It's, it's, it's that close in this league where it's one player on your bench makes or breaks your week. That's and crazy. Yeah, and because there's so much parity, if da- Dalvin Cook is not, I mean, I, I say he's not going to keep scoring 40 points, he might, but I don't, I just don't see that happening. I mean, 20 points a week is kind of realistic, but 40 points, it's not something you can bank on, especially when your next best running back that's healthy is Le'Veon Bell, who has clearly stunk it up all season. He's a shadow of what he used to be. Even in Kansas City's offense, he's just not doing anything. Yeah. So, yeah. And same thing with uh, Deej's team. Outside of Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, his team is pedestrian. I mean, James Robinson's good, but his his other players just aren't healthy. He, he's got Mostert. He's got Mixon that you can't really bank on them playing ever, honestly. So beyond his top two players, it's it's a lot of patchwork. Yeah, he's really gotten bitten by the injury bug, and he's really praying that if his team is at full strength and he gets everybody off his bench, then that team is scary. Then that team has a top 40 player in every position. But currently, that's not where it's at, and there's mm-hmm. weakness. And he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it later. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill and Mahomes this week. It changes. It ch- everything changes. Yeah, Everything changes with that. All right. So we'll move on to... Uh, another matchup with two teams moving in different directions, really. It's the Show Me a TDs and the Keeks to Success. Now, Jimmy's team, the Show Me a TDs, uh, pulled out a convincing victory, 103.15 to the Keeks, 80.95. And, you know, we talked about that trade a little earlier on the podcast. And you can see that the players that Keegan traded, he is just fed up with. Aaron Jones only scored 10. Michael Thomas only scored seven in his first game back since week one. But the rest of his players that he started did not do well. His bench did well. His starters did not. And you look at Jimmy's team outside of Kyler Murray, it was a pathetic performance, to be honest with you. I mean, he started DJ Dallas, who did respectable 10 points, uh, but he got the goose egg with the Falcons defense, uh-huh. uh, which you can't really expect anything from a defense, but still uh, Keegan's team scored negative two from theirs. So without Kyler, uh, Jimmy's team would have been dead in the water. Curie, I mean, I think it was an interesting decision and proved to be the right one to bench Zeke Elliott, which you wouldn't say that normally in any other season but his other running backs did much better. Yeah. The Zeke thing, I, I again, I, I, again, I know for, for later, but I think the Zeke buy and, you know, he made the decision to sit in this week, but that Zeke bye week could be a blessing in disguise and not because when you think you have Zeke, mm-hmm. he's, he's in, you know, he's a, he's a top running back and you have, he's one of those guys you have to play, even though, you know, he's going to, he's not going to be nice to you. So um, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy had a great performance with Kyler and he just had, it was a solid, you know, mid tier game across the board. Um, so, yeah, then Keegan's team is really, again, he's rolling the other way. You know, when, when Grosso, Grosso has a six-game winning streak right now, Keegan's got a five-game losing streak. So, yeah. uh, granted, I have a three-game losing streak. That's, that's <laughs> basically exactly how I feel about Keegan's team right now. Uh, never not funny. It, so, I, <laughs> we'll see how. Jimmy's team, dude, Jimmy's team is six and three, like a really sneaky six and three. And we keep talking about like, well, the team's not that good. Every week he puts up points and every week he seems to win. Um, 
I cannot believe that Z- all everybody's going to mention Zeke Elliott here because the fact that you sit Ezekiel Elliott is the boldest fantasy move. I know he hasn't been performing, but it's Zeke Elliott. He could go off any week. He could be the heart and soul, but he's lost his likes. Now, see, now that we were talking about poor management earlier, this is a good management decision. Um, this obviously, is one of the most insane dark horse choices that I have seen in a long time, and it really, right. it really paid off for him. It but helped him win the week. Yeah, and I agree. He definitely won his week here doing the right thing. Going forward, though, he has the most difficult schedule ahead of him, his final four games. He has to face Spencer, Deej, me, and you, Grasso. Um, Deej, me, and you are two of the three of the top five teams for points scored and Spencer's kind of middle of the pack right now but it's it we're gonna really see what Jimmy's team is coming up the final stretch of the season because he's six and three but up until this point he had a fairly easy schedule so we'll see where it goes from there all right we're gonna move on to the upset game of the week and i know this is going to really stick in doge's craw but we still got to cover it it's uh the wieners wean dogs losing an up in an upstart game against the moose mayhem 113.6 to 129.95 the big story of the week obviously is christian mccaffrey coming back after a long absence and really putting up a lot of points who knows if he's going to play again this season we don't think he's going to play again next week and he he scored 129 or almost 130 points with Justin Jackson throwing up a goose egg and he was still able to do it. You know, does your team didn't do terrible. Justin Herbert showed up. Jerick McKinnon, who's no longer in team showed up. Scary Terry showed up. You know, I saw a stat about Terry McLaurin. He's one of the only wide receivers in the entire league this year, not to drop a pass. And he's that's good. huge. He's yeah. You know, he's my, really good. He's one of my favorite. So I, I would have beat seven teams this week. Seven. Yeah. I, it's just one of those weeks you come up against the guy who's having the week of his season. Right. You know, you're coming against Joe who scores 129 points. Um, I believe that's his second highest of the season. Very close to his, his top performance. It just, I just got beat. I had a bad performance for my tight end. Tanya only scored one point. Um, my RB two, I made the wrong choice. I still would have lost if I played best, you know, if we played the best ball card here. Um, he had three great performances with, yeah. Allen, who just just made Seattle the Seahawks his bitch. I think they were the Seattle Chickens. Um, then you had um, Judy had a great game, and Christian McCaffrey coming back. Now again, of course, I face him the one week that Christian McCaffrey is back. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know it's just one of those weeks. And well, uh, yeah, and he decided to start Antonio Brown, which we all kind of scoffed at, and it was proven right. But it didn't seem to matter yet. You don't expect Jerry Judy to throw up twenty two every week. Even though he's a rookie, you know, against with Drew Locke as the quarterback, you don't know. Jerry uh, Judy is really coming into his own. I think this 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 game. I mean, Kyle Allen performed above and beyond what he can do, and so did McCaffrey. McCaffrey's going to be out. There's going to be a lot of holes in his team next week. But Kyle Allen, sh- Kyle Allen, Jack- Allen showed what he can do, and I think he's going to. He's you said it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's going to have an MVP. No, you said Tannehill was going to have an MVP season. No, I did say. I, no, I did say Josh yeah. Allen. I, I I still I still think Josh Allen's going to okay. is going to be an MVP candidate. He looks phenomenal. The Buffalo Bills look phenomenal. Moss is gonna is their number one right now. And Jerry Judy is really coming into his own. He is a rookie wide receiver. He does not have experience with cornerbacks in the NFL. And he's finally coming into his own. And I think this is a good snapshot of the rest of the season for Moose. I think Jackson is actually going to score some points. I can't believe he threw up his goose egg. And, and the rest of his team is really filling out. 
right? Tight end, there's a little bit of a hole, but I really think that Joe's got a solid team moving forward and he's he's going to do great. He's going to really move forward. He's no, like, no. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And uh, Doge, uh, a, a lot of your season is going to hinge on Minnesota's game script for the rest of the year. You know, before they went into their bye, Justin Jefferson was the number five wide receiver. When they went into the week seven bye, they basically were like, we have to give the ball to Dalvin Cook. We have to change it. Uh, and his points have dropped off a cliff. He's now the number 21 wide receiver. So if they start incorporating passes in more, your team will do much better. But it's almost, it's it's very difficult to see how that's going to work going forward. The Ridley injury didn't help me either. Right. You know? And again, I, get, I didn't have a bad week. Joe just had a better week. And that's mm-hmm. all we can say about this game. Yeah. Uh, other than what we've already said. That's correct. <laughs> now, right. now let's go to the cream de la cream, the creme de la creme. What is it? What's the, what's the term? Cre- yeah. Creme de la creme. Creme de la cream. Okay. Cream de la cream. So this was the, uh, the, I said there was one upset uh, of the week. I lied. Uh, there is another upset this week. The big X bashers went up against the truly the weak side werewolves. Uh, and if you can believe it, I usually ask this every week. So I'll ask it again. Did, uh, did Dale win this week? Yeah. That's right. He won. It was 107.3 to 88.45. I mean, truly, as we've been mentioning before, this comes down to management decisions. And as usual, Echolout thinks himself. And he started uh, a lot of wrong players. Uh, he started Derek Carr instead of Drew Brees. He started David Johnson instead of Duke Johnson. But you can't blame him for that. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, it was the it was the, it was the concussion early in that in that Houston game. Again, that's just a, a bad a bad you know way, bad way the cookie crumbles. Right, but Dale, I mean Dale's team, team still scored 107, which is respectable. Keaton Allen showed up. Uh, Lamar Jackson finally showed up and did almost what he was expected to do. Uh, Deontay Johnson is starting to you know show up a little more again with Pittsburgh. You never know which wide receiver it's going to be their week. Uh, even though Chase Claypool had basically the exact same stats, so you know he his team's scrappy. Uh, I don't think they're going to win too much. I still think it was a mistake not to start DJ Chark. If you draft him in the fifth round, he's got to be in your lineup. I don't know why you're starting Devontae Parker over him, uh, but that's just me. Yeah, the the Chark decision was was foolish, and and it, you know if if Dale can pull it out and finish at you know five and eight, if he can pull out some wins here, wrapping up again. Hopefully not. Hopefully he finishes four and nine because he does, he loses to me. Um, but you know he could he could really not be again. You want to avoid the eleven and twelve seeds. Yeah, that's the goal, because then you get three chances to not be the mouth breather instead of just two. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, again, Dale did unbelievable uh, again. And it was, I, you know, listening to my fan, my own fantasy football podcast. It was a weird running back week. You had you had two top guys um, at the running back position. And then there was a giant like 10 point drop off to the to like the three, four and five running backs. So it was really crazy. Um, Dale mm-hmm. finally again, Dale just finally made made the right call. Guys, guys he did it. He did finally it. did it, guys. He finally did it. The kid did it. Um, no, I, I don't know if we have the stat. Do we know if we've ever had a defeated or undefeated team? I don't think we have. No. We've never had an undefeated team, and we've never had a defeated team. Um, I believe um, you have the best record, Ben, at 11-2. and Ah, uh, yes. That's the closest to perfection. But this week, dude, weak side werewolves. I called it last week. I think this is a very good snapshot. Snapshot. Snap shot of what the rest of his team is just like joe's week had a very good week 
I think this is what his team will look like for the rest of the season. There's going to be about 110 points a week. He's gotten, he's, he's got, he's got his players. I'm a little bit confused about his wide receivers. Like you guys are saying, you got to play a baby chart do, 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 do. And Keenan Allen, that's your one and two for sure. Um, but moving forward, he, he, he looks like he might have a chance. I think if Chubby boy comes back and he's looking pretty good, I think he's got a solid running back game. Um, and that's going to move him forward. He's definitely going to move uh, out of that 11-12 spot for sure. Well, I mean, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I mean, it's it's you've got him at one, one coming out of a one and eight hole is very difficult to do to pull out it to be ten because you have to leapfrog two people here in record, and you've still got Moose at three and six and Keegan at three and six, uh, and both of them are playing or trying to manage the games of their lives because nobody really wants to be in the mouth breather. And, and it's good to see this year because the only person who doesn't really care if he is or not, I think, is Spencer, um, who is our reigning mouth breather right now. But I think Dale has a shot to win this week. We'll talk about it a little later when we get into the matchups. But, yeah, so I, I, agree, I totally agree with you, uh, Grasso, that he can, it, with good management, I think he might win in a couple more games. So, yeah, so that wraps up our wrap-up of the week. Before we get into our power rank, what's that? It's a double wrap. It's the two-ply situation. Yes, double bag it, because you never know where those matchups have been. You got to wrap up the wrap-up. <laughs> so, all right. So before we get into our power rankings, we've got uh, an ad from the Moose Mayhem. So let's give a live listen into Mike Davis in the Carolina locker room. This message was brought to you by the Moose Mayhem as they begin their descent back into mediocrity. Okay, guys. So we'll do a quick run through the power rankings. Not a lot has changed this week, even though there are a lot of playoff implication matchups. But, you know, as we get later and later in the season, it's going to be difficult to move one way or the other because you really solidify who you are as a team and where you're going. So at 12, as expected, even though we won this week, is the weak side werewolves. At one and eight, at eleven is the Keegs to success with another loss. They dropped a spot. Uh, the Big X Bashers, who lost to the aforementioned Weak Side Werewolves, dropped two spots to ten at five and four. Uh, the Moose Mayhem, who have won for the first time in a few weeks, go up two spots to nine. The Wieners Wien Dogs go up one spot to eight at four and five. Uh, seven, six, and five are the same as last week. Uh, it's the broken clock corollary at seven, at four, and five, showing me TDs. At six and three are sixth. At five is the Spencer Saxoniffers at five and four. Now we're into the top four. Dropping two spots this week are the Vinzaloons because they lost, lost a really pathetic matchup. Uh, and so they were five and four. Not moving this week at number three, even though they lost, are the Fantasy Empire. And number two, moving up two spots, uh, are the Fitz Magic. And number one, as he has been since we've started this power rankings, is our very own 
Chris Grasso with two beers too deep. And I know you can't see it, but he's doing a shoulder shimmy right now. And we're all just shaking our heads. God damn it. So any comments on the rankings here? I mean, not a lot of changes. uh, No, the only one, the only one I may have moved, I may have moved, maybe have moved down to 10 and echo up to nine. That would be my only critique. And then again, that big trade, we did work on the rankings a little, mostly before the, the big trade went through. So we're, uh, we'll, we'll be intrigued to see how we move next week. For me, it's still every two weeks sort of a thing. It's Dale right now is one and eight. If he wins the next two weeks, he kind of puts himself in a little bit of a better position. If he can win the next two weeks and Joe loses, there's a lot that can happen in the next two weeks. And I always say it every week. It's, it's a two week, every two weeks, there's going to be a, a, a big shift. And I think the next two weeks are really going to shape up to mm-hmm. be big shakers, big movers for this power rankings, because although we're really tight in two weeks, if you win your next two games, you move ahead of so many people and you started at such a bad season, Ben. And it's mind boggling that in two weeks, you can be in the top probably, for sure. Well, and, you know, and it's interesting too. Uh, so the bashers who have made a great trade that have really put them in a, in a position to move even at five and four, they have the second toughest schedule coming up for the rest of the season. They face Fitz, uh, Keegan, which, you know, th- that's going to be an interesting uh, matchup to look at, especially after this trade. Then Always they face Doge and Vinny. So that's a tough road. Moose has a tough road. He's facing uh, Grasso this week and then me and then Dale in a mal- uh, potential mouth breather matchup and then Fitz. So a lot can happen. And you, like you mentioned, I started the season 0-4 and, and I went 4-1 and since then. So And, and we're, we still got four weeks left, so anything can happen. Except for Dale. Dale's going to be in the in the mouth breather playoffs, pretty much. That, sure. we, that we're that we're pretty sure of. Uh, I mean, but he's trying. He's he's where, scrappy. Where in the playoffs is he going to be? Because his team is better all around than I think a lot of better than a lot of bottom teams. Then we give him. Mm-hmm. I think if he went head to head with Joe next week, he might have a chance. So, uh, yeah, and speaking of Dale in a little bit, we're going to be bringing him on as our guest for this week. But this might be a good opportunity for us to speak about, you know, when we really look about this, this league's been around for eight years uh, and you don't survive in eight years with some turnover. So players have come in, come out, and we've got some statistics about what new players have done in this league over the past few years. So, uh, Greg, if you'd like to go into that a little bit. Yeah. So, again, I worked with, uh, worked with a team at uh, uh, Pining for Alba Analytics, um, and we've had five new guys join the league. Gary replaced Shanae in 2014. Ben replaced – or Ben and Jimmy replaced um, – Brian and Mark from Excelsior College, who were two original members of the league in 2016. Joe replaced Curran in 2018. And then Dale has obviously replaced Gary this year. Um, so if we go through the new guys' record in their first year, Gary finished at 4-9 and nine and finished in 10th spot. Ben, in 2016, finished first at 11-2 and two and won the championship. I think and that's I an outlier. I think that's an outlier on the statistics. I just want to make sure that 11-2 and two is – he was his first year. That's an outlier. Can we just – can I just talk about that before we go? go I, I know, I, I know you have other stats. Yeah, so, let's, let's bask in the past. Re- for a bit. No, no, real, really quickly. I just want to say what happened that year. I would draft eleventh. No, that was Zeke Elliott's rookie year. Nobody expected him to be as good as he was. I drafted him eleventh, and then Lev Bell, who was coming off the pot suspension, nobody thought he was going to be good anymore. And I drafted him on the wraparound on the fourteenth pick, and I just rode them the whole year. Anyways, yeah, continue. I don't know how. I don't know why we still have you in the league, honestly. Should have voted uh, you out the first year. It's like it's like, it's like when you go to a new, it's when you go to a new poker game, you don't want to be the guy that wins. 
that's the kind of kind of thing. Uh, and then but Jimmy, here's here's what I, here's what I will say about you coming in, Ben, is you kicked our asses that first year, and we have all. That, that, I think that speaks to how tight the league is this year. Is when you came in the league, we really had no clue what the fuck we were doing, and we've learned a whole lot. Well, maybe Echo thought he knew what he was doing, but we've all learned. I will I will say I have no ego, and I will say that I have learned a whole hell of a lot in the last couple of years, for sure. Um, I agree. I think twenty. 20- Definitely attributes to you coming into the league, Ben. So I'll I take all the credit. I think 2016 was kind of that. Back. I think 2016 was really that first, of the, if you call it, you know, the modern era of our league. Mm-hmm. Um, um, then Jimmy also came in in 2016. Like I said before, he finished seven and six and finished fourth. So the new guys did pretty well. In the, you know, two in the top four. Mm-hmm. Joe came in in 2018, finished seven and six and finished seventh. And then Dale, as we all know, is one and eight and finished 12th. Um, so well, that finish that finish isn't official yet. Not not official, but it's currently. He's well. projected. He's projected in Nevada to finish twelfth. Yes, <laughs> that's what the Vegas Vegas has him at. Is that the line? Yeah, that's where Vegas is looking. That's the line right now. Awesome. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, before we, uh, we we're going to bring on Dale in just a minute. Uh, let's let's hear about our hotline first, gentlemen. As every week, pause for all leg up hotline. Pause for All is leading the way in pet prosthesis with 3D printing and imaging to allow your pet to pounce to their full potential. Guests on the Pony 4 podcast are brought to you by the Pause for All Leg Up Hotline. If you would like to make a donation, please visit pauseforall.org. And this week, our guests on the Pause for All Leg Up Hotline is the one the only Dale Comley, the owner manager of the Weak Side Werewolves. Welcome, Dale. Oh! Now that's how you make an entrance. That's Welcome a, to the podcast, Dale. Happy to be here, guys. Dale, Dale. First things first. You won, kid. You did it, and you beat your local rival, Gregory Eckel. How does it feel? You know, it's hard to put into words that. It was, it was special. It, it, it really, it, it's hard to put into words, you know, it really is. I, I, and, I and a local rival as well. Mm-hmm. He's speechless. This is his first win of the year. He beats the commish. And he's a lot spe- of emotion. It's a statement a of, game. A lot of emotion, guys. A lot of emotion. You can really, you can see it on his face for, the, oh, for, the, for, for those listening up. to the audio. He's welling up. He's very passionate about this, and he's, he's coming into a new league, and I'm sure you want to win. Everybody wants to win. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so speaking of fantasy, how, you know, we, we don't, you know, some of us don't know your background. You know, we all know, you know, you teach the youth of America, which is still, still blows my mind. Um, but have you played fantasy football before? How in-depth was your knowledge of the game, um, and then is this league what you expected? You'd think I've never played before, wouldn't you? <laughs> Probably. Um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I'm so terribly glad you asked. Um, I've been playing fantasy football for a very long time, believe it or not. Um, I got into the game in late high school. I played through college. Um, I had a little bit – I took a hiatus for a few years. Um, I've never played in a 12-man league before, and I think that this – I was completely taken aback by the challenge of playing with 11 other gentlemen. Um, it's, it, it's a big step up. It's, it's the real deal. I think that's what got me. I was not prepared for the draft. I thought I've done it before. I know my guys. I know what to do. But 
those uh, those running backs disappeared quick, and I've been in a world of hurt ever since. <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, go ahead, Ben. I was going to say, so saying a world of hurt. So you see those running backs go quick. So your strategy was to draft Lamar Jackson in the, the yeah. second round. It was it was pure and utter panic. I don't know what else to say. I, I literally, I think that a complete lack of experience. I've also played with people that probably were not at your guys's level. Um, I've learned so terribly much in these few weeks. I, I keep saying I'm, I'm very excited for next year's draft. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I panicked. I, I probably did 30 mock drafts. I mean, I was doing, I was doing one or two a night drafting from my position at eight. And um, yeah, every single time I've, I, there was running backs there and I, and I literally panicked and, I took the guy that scored a lot of points last year and it's, 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 uh, it's been tough. Yeah. And, and so it's been tough, a tough year for you. You got your first win. It's got to feel, obviously it has to feel amazing, but how do you think the rest of the year is going to play out? You know, you're thinking that, you know, you're one and eight again, we were just talking before you came on, you don't want to finish 11th or 12th because then you get that buy into the mouth through the playoffs. You only get two chances to win instead of three. Yeah. Uh, so how do you think the rest of the year is going to go? Um, I, I've been looking at the schedule. I don't realistically, um, I think I can win one. I think I can win one this week. Actually, it's possible. Um, but, um, I don't think I'm going to be able to crawl out of the 11 or 12 spot. I really don't. That being said, I do think a couple teams are struggling right now. I do think some teams are weak with injuries. I do think a couple teams have kind of, uh, they're not looking too great. I'm hoping that Nick Chubb comes back healthy. I know Lamar can score 30 or 40 on a given week, not most weeks, but he can do it. Um, I like my chances in the mouth breather tournament. Um, I don't like my chances to get, you know, a good seed, but I think I can get out of there alive. So that's, that's, that's what we're pulling for here. That's what we're pulling for. So yeah. the, the, again, right now, if the season ended today, if all of a sudden they said no more NFL football, coronavirus, coronavirus, you would finish in 12th place because there are no more games played. And that's really everyone's worst nightmare, maybe besides Grasso and Spencer, since they seem to love it so much. Um, what is what what is your? Uh, I think Ben wrote this question, but this is I think it's a great one. What is what name do you not want to be called if you are the mouth breather? What what would cut the deepest? It's a very good question. Um, I don't know. I you know it's funny enough, the term mouth breather as explained to me as was an, as, as an Eli Manning reference, I'm an Eagles fan. The term mouth breather alone is terrifying enough for me. Um, you know, so that would be scary for me in and of itself. Um, but you know, other than that, I, I, I don't know if I have a, a specific name that, that terrifies me, but I'd love to hear your ideas. Did, did you have, here's, here's what I go with. And I'm not going to tell anybody what mine is because it tortures me to this day, but I had a gym teacher in high school and he had a nickname for me. Do you have like one of those, like you had like a gym teacher and he called you a really like, maybe like comely, like something, something oh. like a, you know, <laughs> your last name or something. Um, no, no jokes on my name. Um, I, oh, I, I have often been made fun of for these, um, man breasts that I have on, on, on the front of my chest. Those, those often get pulled out. Um, you know, so that so would like, be a little, that would be a little hurtful. Um, so but, uh, comely man boobs is what you're saying. It would be a bad one. Comely man yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'm glad I brought that up though. I'm, I'm glad I brought that up. <laughs> oh, we're yeah, going to be playing had, the facts had, uh, throughout the year. I had, I had not noticed that. And, um, and now that you pointed it out, I can't unsee it. Uh, you kind of broke the glass there for me, Dale. Uh, <laughs> that's terrifying. Uh, I'm, I'm, we, we, that's, I'm sorry that they, 
tortured you for that. And, um, <laughs> you know, hopefully we it runs in the family. I don't know. There's nothing I can do about it. Right. <laughs> Those comedies, they just got solid. I'm going to stop right there. Uh, so the next question that we have is uh, so. So here, here's here's my important question is I, I look at your team and I see like a lot of bright spots. But who's who do you think is your best player and who do you think is going to carry you through to not be the mouth breather? Keenan Allen. No question about it. I've been he's been I picked him. I don't know if anybody I don't know if anybody loved the pick when I took him. I trust the guy now that he's healthy. He's got the right quarterback. He's getting 15 targets a game. That half-point PPR is clutch. He's getting 100 yards. He's usually scoring a touchdown. You know, he, he he's the guy that I can depend on right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I am hoping that he's the guy that I trust. I think I, think I get out of the mouth breather. If, if, I think if Lamar and Nick Chubb line up for me on the same day, that gets me out of the tournament, gets me to safety. But Keenan Allen's the guy that I trust right now more than anybody on my team. So uh, I got a question for you about uh, last week. Now, I know you won the week, uh, but you, curiously, you left DJ Shark on the bench, who mm. went, went outrageous. And you drafted him in the fifth round. He's a pretty good talent. I know Jacksonville hasn't been that great this year, but what went into the thinking of benching him versus putting Devontae Parker in, who I think was, would be the only person you could replace him with? Yeah. Um, well, Gardner Minshew was hurt. You know, him and Shark have had some, you know, good rapport in the past, not so much this year. Um, I didn't like the, you know, we all saw what happened to, Dallas with their young quarterback uh, when he stepped in and absolutely crumbled. So I just didn't trust the young guy throwing the ball to Chark. You know, in hindsight, it was a mistake. Um, it gives me a little more hope for Chark moving forward. Um, but it was honestly, it was, it was more of a quarterback issue than it was a receiver issue with Chark. All right. Good deal. Uh, so Dale, I don't know. Uh, normally what we do here is we're going to go into the picks for next week. You want to stick around and make some picks with us? Oh, I would love to. All right. We'll go right into it. So uh, it's, it, as we were mentioning earlier on the podcast, it's going to be a big moving week for everybody as there's fewer and fewer games left for people to make moves. Playoff implications are that much more important. So we're going to go right into it. And I'm going to talk about, let's see here. Let's, let's, let's leave everybody who's here off the table for now. We'll talk about, Eckel and Fitz's matchup. So Eckel and Fitz right now, let me bring up that matchup. It's it's pretty close. A lot of our matchups as we cover are close. In fact, if you look at the projections, which don't mean jack shit, but sometimes they do, uh, they are separated by one-tenth of a point. Uh, I, I really think, you know, there was a big trade for Eckel to get Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas. It's two weeks coming back for both of them. I think that that's going to give Eckel an edge this week and it's going to put him over the edge over Fitz. I really think Eckel can make a run here. Nobody likes to hear that, but I really think that's where it's going. Uh, we'll start with our guest first. Dale, what do you think? I think Eckel made a great trade. I really do. I think that Hunt and not Hunt, sorry. Um, Michael Jones. Thomas and Aaron Jones, great pickup. Um, I like his roster top to bottom better. I think there's less weaknesses. Um, you know, I, I I'm really. I was. I was sad to see him let go of his guy, uh, DK Metcalf. But uh, I think this roster that he's put together is is just. It's got more star power. It's got more potential for high scoring points. And I like Echo this week. All right, uh, Doge. What do you think? 
I, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I think this is also Tom Brady doesn't have two bad games in a row. Mm. Is that, so, you know, Ken, he scored under five fantasy points last week, which is just, again, crazy to think that a quarterback's going to score that low. And I don't know if anyone heard Meredith laughing in the background, but that was good. Um, but I, I don't think, I think, I, I don't think uh, Fitz has got the, the star power for the big game potential that Echo does. So I'm going to go with Echo with this one. All right. And Grasso. Yeah, um, this is a very tight game. Um, I think this comes down to, really comes down to Michael Thomas. Is Drew Brees going to throw him the ball? What's going to happen with Michael Thomas? That is a huge red flag for me. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's definitely going to come back this week. Um, Both of these teams, I think, are strong. At tight end, they're both a question mark for me, really. Um, And defense also. Uh, They got a, a little bit of weakness at the bottom end, but it's going to be a tight game, just like every game. So oh, wait, I, didn't, with, I, I didn't hear a pick. I didn't make a pick. Um, I'm going with Fitz on this one for sure. Uh, Tom Brady is coming back smoking next week. Okay. All right. So we'll move on again. We're going to keep our own games out of it for now. So we're going to move to probably the most lopsided game of the week. And we'll make this quick. It's the Vinzaloons versus the Keeks to success. I think Vinny's team underperformed last week. He's got some of the best players in the league. They're all going to come back strong. Henry's going to have a good game. Wilson's going to come back. Lockett's going to come back. Connor's going to come back. I got Vinny. He's going to score like 40 points more than Keek. And it's going to be a blowout. Uh, Doge, what do you think? I agree. Again, I don't think that we need to talk about this one. Vinny's team is phenomenal. If his players play, he's going to win. I pick Vinny. All right, Grasso? Vinny. Uh, Vinny. Everybody's angry. Vinny. Everybody on that team is angry right now. Everyone's going to do great. Fulgham Fulgham is uh, the dark horse of the year. He looks fantastic, super athletic. Start him in your flex every single time. Ebron had that little hurdle move. He's feeling sassy this week. It's going to be great. He's going to blow him out. Uh, King's going to score 64 points. That was great to watch as a Steelers fan. All right, uh, Dale. Yeah, I'm taking Vinny also. Um, obviously, his team's absolutely stacked, and the worst players are those Philly players, Fulgham and the Eagles defense, but I like them against the Giants this week, so I think it's a, it's a home run for Vinny. All right, all right. So we got unanimous. It's Vinny. Uh, let's hope we're all right. Or Vinny, I'm sure, hopes we're all right. So let's move on to the Show Me TDs versus the Spencer Saxneffers. One of my favorite mouth breather names we've come up with, except for maybe Osama bin Jeansy Phelps. But I'm partial to that one because I came up with that one. So w- with some help from the league. So looking at this, you know, it's that, tough to tell. Really, really <laughs> it uh, still cuts really fucking deep, boys. I just want to let everybody know that. So, yeah. Uh, I never yeah. wore jean shorts again, okay? It was just that one time. Well, it sticks, man. It sticks. Uh, so it's really tough to judge this game because this is clearly uh, neither of them have looked at their team yet uh, to figure out who's starting at quarterback or who's starting at second running back. That being said, looking at their bench, if you put plug in Jared Goff for Spencer, you plug in who's his second best running back. Oh, geez, I guess he doesn't have one. If, if Carson comes back in. Yeah, if yeah, if Carson comes back, that's right. He he's uh he's injured. Uh, but even even then, I still think Spencer's team's got the firepower this week. I'm gonna go with Spencer uh, Grasso. Um, I think this is a flip of the coin, and I'm going Spencer because he's been hot fire. All right, Dale. Um, you know, I'm gonna go the other way on this one. Um, I really like those Arizona players right now. Kyler Murray just. 
He's he's doing everything that Lamar Jackson did last year. Um, I think that the firepower that he brings to the game is serious. So um, I'm going to go with Jimmy. Yeah, and, and not for nothing there, I do think uh, Kenyon Drake's coming back this week, so that's going to bite into Chase Edmonds. That is line. true. All right, uh, Doge. I think Goff has got a really good matchup, and I think that's going to really help them. Kyler, or elsewhere, I think Kyler's a freak. He's like one of the only players in the league who has 60 plus rushing yards a game and a touchdown, a rushing touchdown every game, and he's a quarterback. Um, so I think Jimmy needs Kyler to pull him more. I don't think that'll happen this week. I'm going Spencer. All right. So we're going to another quick matchup here just because of the matchup. Uh, we're going to go into now our everybody who's on this podcast right now, who they're involved with. We're going to start with two beers too deep versus the Moose Mayhem. We've been saying it all year, and it's it's sickening to say, but Grasso's team is just a steamroller right now. It's really difficult when you look player to player to see where Moose can get a leg up here. So I'm going with the two beers too deep and Grasso's team. Grasso. Um, as per tradition, uh, I will not pick myself. Uh, Zach Moss, I don't know why they're projecting him for under 10 points this week. That seems stupid to me. Uh, he's definitely going to be their number one back. He's definitely going to be on the field for more percentage, and he's definitely going to get more carries and more looks in the red zone. So I think this game is going to be a lot closer than this ESPN shenanigans. And I, I'm going with Moose this week. Allen's hot. The Buffalo Bills are hot. He's feeling great because of the Buffalo Bills. Um, and the, and Jerry Judy's coming on. I, 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 I'm scared. I'm scared about this team. Uh, and I always think I'm going to lose. So I'm going Moose. All right, Doge. I, I, I mean, Cooper Cup's got a great matchup against Seattle this week. You know how porous that defense is. I mean, mm-hmm. you just saw what the Buffalo did with, 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 uh, against that team. That being said, Grasso's team looks like a steamroller. Dalvin Cook can carry this team. Aaron Aaron can carry this team. I'm going to go Grasso. Dalvin Cook is averaging more points per game than Aaron Rodgers is right now. What is happening? Is this real life? Is this uh, just fantasy? Yeah. Uh, I guess we're caught in a landslide. Uh, Dale. Yeah, I think two beers, two deep is going to be too much for Moose this week. Rodgers and Cook are just going to be too much. I'm taking two beers, too deep. All right. Uh, now we're going to look at uh, – so the, the final two I'm saving are probably two of the closer matchups we're going to be talking about. So we're going to move to my matchup, uh, the Broken Clock Corollary versus the Fantasy Empire. And it looks like the their projections just went up. But, you know, I've, I've kind of stuck with uh, Grasso's tradition of picking against myself. Last week it didn't work for me because uh, I was right. But – I, you know, I think even with DJ's moves that he's made, I think James Robinson can do it for him. I think Joe Mixon's going to come back and be pretty good. And I really think the Steelers come to play against Cincinnati. I know that doesn't really make sense, but I still think they're going to have some splash plays and I'm going to go with the empire. Uh, Dale. You know, this is a hard one for me. I, I, I can go, I could go either way on it. The, the biggest thing I don't, I got burned by Jarek McKinnon this year. He's been, he scores nothing. He scores negative points. He scores 20 points. You never know what you're going to get with McKinnon. That makes me nervous. Um, I don't see any players that terrify me over for the Empire. And I think just because of that, I'm going to go with the Empire. Okay. Uh, Grasso. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers have not allowed, have only allowed less than 
28 points one time this season. I think Tua is hot. I think he is going to come out swinging. Uh, I think he's going to carry this team. And that's always what happens with the fantasy empires. There's one player that's super hot every week. He always gets the, the one boot. He always has two boom players every week. You can't look at his team as like a collect. You got to look at two players and be like, this guy's going to boom. And this guy's going to boom. Um, and I think he's going to, he's going to, you got the win this week. I think it's fantasy empire as much as it hurts me to say, Ben. All right. And Dosh. I think both of these teams are very boom bust this week. And, and I think I, I'm going to lean with a, a lot. I like a lot of what Cross I just said. Deej seems to find it. Tua seems like he's coming on. He is only his third game starting. It'll be intriguing to see how he moves forward. I think Deej is probably going to get some bigger plays than, than Ben, unfortunately. So I'm going to go with Deej here. All right. I hope you're all wrong. So we're going to move on to the final matchup and our marquee matchup for this podcast today. It's the Wieners, Wien Dogs, and the Weekside Werewolves in what promises to be a tight matchup. You know, it's Miles Sanders' first game back uh, in quite a few weeks, and I'm sure it's going to hurt with the Weekside Werewolves being a Philadelphia fan, seeing his one of his better players coming back. Uh, that's a big part, I think. Even though Dalvin Cook has scored 40 points, in consecutive games, they're going to get the passing game involved again. So Justin Jefferson's going to do well. And, you know, he just got the Bucks defense, which I think is going to show up against Carolina. So I'm going to go with Doge. Uh, so Grasso, what do you think? Um, I think Weekside Wolves are hot. I think they're going to win this week. Um, maybe Nick Chubb will come back. I don't know. But I, I think he's he's got a lot of, a lot of oomph this week to get him – past this hump and i think herbert's gonna fall a little bit flat in miami so you're going with the weak side werewolves I'm going with the weak side werewolves two weeks in a row it really hurts to say it dale but two weeks in a row i've picked you to win so well you got it right last week don't keep it going keep it going brother all right uh doge so ben you did miss a a, a key uh part of this matchup it is a a family rivalry if you will granted it's it's mar- family by marriage but still family, family- Christmas could get awkward. That's all I'm going to say. Um, particularly if these teams play again in the mouth breather, which depending on how this week goes, might be likely. Um, Sanders coming back for me, Chubb most likely coming back from Dale. That's going to play a key factor in who's getting the touches there. I think Sanders will win in the, in that head to head matchup just because Hunt's been so good for Cleveland. Chubb's they might want to slowly bring Chubb back. Sanders, is clearly their best running back in Philadelphia. It's clearly their number one weapon. Uh, Goddard is coming back for Philadelphia, so that may take some of the passing options away. McLaurin uh, is phenomenal. I'm picking myself, and again, I picked myself last week and I lost to Joe, but I didn't have a bad week, so I'm picking myself. All right, and Dale, bring us home. I do think that the San- Sanders and Chubb are the keys to this game. I, 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 that is all I've been thinking about all week. I'm, I think if, if Chubb doesn't come back, I don't think, I don't think there's much of a conversation to be had here. I will say though, I get a very, I get, I worry about the wean dogs with that flex JK Dobbins. Hard to trust that guy. We all know how capable Mr. Tanyan is at tight end. I don't like that guy. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of potential there for him to score points. Just don't like it. Very inconsistent guy. Boomer bust. So, taking the wolves, baby. Taking the wolves. 
And, you know, not for nothing, that J.K. Dobbins, I doubt that that's going to be who he's going with in his flex by the end of the week. It depends on if it, to me, it depends on if Ingram plays, Dobbins is not going to play in my lineup. If Ingram's out against New England, I think that Grasso, who is the starting running back for the Pining for Alba uh, fan uh, football team, I think Grasso could, could cut through the New England rushing defense right now. So um, uh, I think that, again, the flex plays up, that's going to be a tinker stinker on, uh, uh, on Sunday morning. So. I mean, we'll I could I could see Green or Sanders or I mean, and really anybody in your bench besides Dobbins filling in for that slot, except for maybe George Kittle. All right, so I, I didn't mention this earlier, but last week uh, was Grasso's first week that he actually won in our picks. He went four and two. The rest of us went three and three, including Fitz, our guest that week. Uh, uh, so far, our best guest has been four and two. So Dale, let's see if you do better than four and two this week. I hope I can do that for you guys. <laughs> I mean, we've only had one five in one week, which was me in week eight, but we'll we'll see. So with that, uh, that brings the conclusion of our podcast this week. Uh, Dale, I want to thank you for coming on uh, after your glorious win. Hopefully you get a few more wins here and make it competitive. You've been a great active addition to the league. I think we can all agree there. Uh, so thanks again uh, for the wieners ween dogs greg marcu for two beers too deep chris grasso and for the weak side werewolves dale comley i'm ben max the broken clock corollary saying make sure to win your week uh good night and good luck everybody oh wait a second what's going on here